Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's time for episode 226 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have a great interview with Brian Demeter and Josh Gohagan, the creators of a great indie comic called A Graveyard for Whales. It's a modern-day fable with fascinating art and a really interesting story with an ending that the creators talk about in depth, which I really liked. It's something a little different, and of course, indie comics are where you can find wonderful things that you might not find anywhere else. So we talk about the book and how it came to be, as well as other things that they have on their plates that I think you'll be interested in finding out about. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. Welcome to the podcast, Brian Demeter and Josh Gohagan, the creators of a graphic novella called A Graveyard for Whales. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great, Wayne. How are you? Good. And Josh, you? Pretty good. Pretty neat. Good, good. Now, I wanted to talk about you guys because I met you guys at, there was an Acme Superstore local creator one-day convention on a Saturday back in February. And you guys weren't far from the booth where I was. I was working with my roommate doing his own indie comic, and I got to see your book, and I struggled to get money all day, and I finally got it at the end. (laughs) So I guess, Brian, who's the one that should talk about this project and what it means? Well, that's a tough question because we're both really tied to it, and it's really neat how it came together. Okay. I knew Josh for years. I met him, actually. He was working at this really cool toy store on Park Avenue. We're talking years ago. I don't know, 15 years ago. Something. Called uh, Fairy Tales. <laughs> yes, Fairy Tales. And the name of the store it really just kind of paints a picture for how awesome it was. Mm-hmm. So I walked in there, and I was selling art there, actually, trying to put art for consignment. And I saw Josh, and we just instantly hit it off. We just knew that we were kindred spirits, and we would talk about books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we became friends then, and throughout the years, we did small different projects, and some big projects, actually. But recently, uh, maybe two or three years ago, I was like, 
I really would like to do a small comic book just to test the waters. Mm-hmm. My background was in children's publishing illustration, so mm-hmm. I was like, it's kind of close to that. So I got with Josh, and I was like, hey, what do you think about if we just goof around and, and we'll just do a little graphic novel kind of thing? Mm-hmm. He's like, that sounds great. He's you know always wanting to write that stuff. So I had done a painting that was based on the Maori legend of Paikia, which is the whale rider. Mm-hmm. It's a New Zealand ancestral tribal type of uh, person. Mm-hmm. And I said, Josh, you know what? Let's just go way out there. I said, here's a painting that I've done. Look at it and just write me a story for that. Mm-hmm. And then this is where I can turn it over to Josh because he just took it into this awesome surrealist mm-hmm. kind of thing. And he's definitely a genius. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll have to say that. <laughs> okay. Ah, thank you. Going off of Brian's, just some of Brian's initial artwork. And like he was saying, we'd worked on like some other projects, like some theater shows. He had done like some posters and stuff for us. So... We had a little bit of a working relationship, and so whenever I was able to take a look at the painting that he's talking about of the whale rider mm-hmm. and kind of starting to go off from that, it's funny. We have a little bit of a disconnect in that, like, Brian is definitely much more of a nature person and is very outdoorsy, whereas I'm, even though I have nothing against nature, I'm not as outdoorsy, like, right off the bat as he is. Mm-hmm. So I kind of used it a little bit, like, that initial disconnect to kind of start the narrator's journey, where he starts in a place that's sort of fearful, mm-hmm. but then eventually, he has to, through the course of the little story, he's able to connect back in with some outdoor nature type elements. Why don't I read the back? There's a great little quote on the back of the book that I really like, and it seems to tie into all this stuff. It says, A graveyard for whales is one man's journey through the fantastic heights and sinister depths of a beautiful and deadly dreamscape that serves as a challenge, a reminder, and a call to adventure. I really like that description of it because it really fits it really, really well. And you uh, read it really well, Wayne. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you, you try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. We should, yeah. That should be on the audiobook version or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> read, well, there's also an E.E. E. Cummings quote that I like, too, and I'll go ahead since I'm in the reading. I'll read oh, this. yeah. I love that Brian put that quote at the beginning. Yeah. I love that. It says, once we believe in ourselves, we can risk curiosity, wonder, spontaneous delight, or any experience that reveals the human spirit. This is on a white page with black text, and across the page is black background with an orange text that says, Can I tell you the dream? And from uh, there, we, yeah, we go on, and it's just a great, it's a great story. What, now, Josh, you're the writer, obviously, and, and Brian, you're the artist, although the lines probably blur a lot when, when you guys do things together. I really like the way that this is black and white with spot color in it. By that I mean, like on the the next page you go and it's all black and white except for a couple of orange illustrations, which we find is the person who is involved in the story, shall we say. Yes. I and, love and that. Thank you very much. And it was a challenge on my part because, like I said before, I started as a, a children's publishing illustrator, which we're talking like, you know, lots of color and paint, mm-hmm. lots of layers, lots of textures. And then when I was doing this this comic book, I was like, I need to devise a way that is not going to take that long because this is a, a passion project. So it's a side project of a side project on top of other projects. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to devise exactly. a way. Exactly, right, Josh? Yeah. So I was like, how can we do it where I can just basically streamline it? So mm-hmm. I tried different ways and I ended up still, because I guess I'm just a brush junkie, I ended up doing an ink for the black lines with a brush Mm -hmm. and then I did digital color but I was like I want to play with the color because I want to go as minimal as possible Mm -hmm. and try to get the most emotional impact out of those colors Mm -hmm. so if you read the book you'll see how I kind of use those minimal colors to maximize the 
emotional sensations throughout the different scenes. Mm-hmm. Now, how much did you do, Josh? Did you come up with like the layouts? Because some pages, are, there's a double page spread, and other ones there's three panels uh, on it. Actually, for this particular collaboration, the structure of the story for me was very much done almost like writing a prose poem. Mm-hmm. Let's say that's kind of the structure. Like as far as like the layout and stuff. Mm-hmm. In this instance, I've written other comic book type scripts now, mm-hmm. where I've been a little bit more like here's page one, here are the three panels or whatnot, things mm-hmm. of that like that nature. Mm-hmm. But in this particular collaboration, I wrote the story out almost as this long spoken word or prose poem mm-hmm. type style. Mm-hmm. And Brian found breaks within, but I think that's kind of the music of it. It's almost like you hand it off to somebody else and they find little breaks and moments within certain sections and stuff that he's able to then put a very interesting juxtaposition of the image that he's decided to put along with then my words along the top. So in this instance, the story was actually written out a little bit more like a poem, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. This is what my script looked like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that got me about this is because today we are so quote-unquote advanced that we have outgrown people say like fables and you talked about the fairy tale aspect of it and so we don't use that stuff very much anymore and yet there's a need i think in people to have those kinds of stories being told and i think that's what a graveyard for whales is it's kind of a fairy tale a fable yeah everybody's had that moment where someone tells them some dream or something that had some weird weird experience they had in a dream or something like that. So this story, because it does take place within a dream, and we don't try to pull in, there's a twist ending to it. You're told right off the bat, like you said, that this is a dream that this person experienced. But within that, we are able to then, what actually is going on with this narrator and this dream-like experience, what it does end up representing for him, the various little things that he goes through over the course of it, and the, and the weird dream shifts, that how dreams tend to shift on you and stuff as you're experiencing them. But then for him, we are able to tie it together. It does seem as though it is something that is calling to a bigger experience in his life, mm-hmm. this dream imagery that he's experiencing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, yeah, so it's kind of interesting to get to tell a story that does take place within an atmosphere mm-hmm. like that, because you are able to fall into some interesting sort of fable and fairy tale like tropes and have some fun with mm-hmm. that type of thing. What's funny, too, in the story, and of course it's perfect timing, there's a mention of the Jungle Book in the story. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I'm just kind of kicked with Jungle Book doing gangbusters now in the theaters. If you want to read a, a story that in some way at least yeah. alludes to it, then you ought to yeah. pick up the Graveyard for Whales is a great way to do it because there's a – and I, I don't want to spoil stuff. This is the problem. Is, yeah, there's a little reference. There's, yes. a little, there's a little Jungle Booky reference in there for sure. And it actually yes. kind of – and it kind of looks like some of the stuff that's yeah. in the movie, which is – you know, you guys did this probably way ahead of the movie. And so it's kind of interesting that you were able to think of these things in the ways in which the movie kind of did stuff. It's funny that you bring that one up, because that's definitely one of my favorite sequences on the page, with the way that that double double page looks. It's one of my favorite parts of the book, for sure. Brian, did you get the artwork from, like, the old animated cartoon, or where did that come from? The funny story about this is I did a fully rendered version of that same Jungle Book for an actual promo piece while I was doing children's publishing illustration. I was trying to get cover jobs, so I just said, ooh, I love the Jungle Book. I mean, you know, we talked about the whole nature thing, and I love wildlife. I love painting wildlife. 
So I was like, ooh, Jungle Book would be perfect. So I did this really 24 by 36, wood-burned, acrylic painting, fully rendered. And I just loved it. It was one of my favorite pieces of all time. So when Josh had in the story that little scene, I was like, you know, it's kind of arrogant to nod yourself, but I'm still going to do it. I'm just going to – I just I just had it. So, like, it's a little inside joke between, like, me and Josh and my friends and stuff that know the painting that I've done before. They're like, that's the exact painting that you did just, you know, kind of inked in. But you're right, Wayne. It is spooky how, like, when I saw that Jungle Book trailer for the movie, I just got goosebumps. I was like, oh, my gosh, because that's how I – you know, when I was doing the painting years ago mm-hmm. – I kind of saw it, you know, fully live action like that and rendered similar like that. Mm -hmm. Well, the artwork is really good. You're right on the simplicity doesn't take away from the profoundness of what's going on in the art. I wanted to say, because there's a part in which he's falling, and when he's really close, you see more detail. When he's farther away, you don't see the detail. You just basically see the outline and the orange coloring. But we never lose track of the person, no matter what's happening. And there are several things that happen. And we won't spoil them here, but it does come to dealing with whales, hence the title of Graveyard for Whales. And I understand, I think, Brian, you're the one, you have a thing. Like in the book, there was a brochure that talked about saving the North Atlantic right whale. Yes, yes. I've been dealing with wildlife rehab centers and so forth for years. And I actually discovered the right whale monitoring system. I can't remember if I vended there or if I just visited, but it was the right whale festival in Jacksonville they have annually. Mm-hmm. And since the years ago of starting going there, I've done posters and things for that event. But it's a really cool festival, and I met the people that run it, and you kind of make friends, and you have different things going on there. So I was like, well, you know what? That's the perfect charity, because most of the time when I'm doing projects, I like to have it, some of the portion of it go to at least one charity. Mm-hmm. So that one was perfect for that, because they're on our coast. Mm-hmm. You know, the North Atlantic right whales are on our coast by Florida, so you could actually – you got out in a boat and you went out in the Atlantic Ocean at the right time of the year, you could possibly see those whales. Mm-hmm. In our book, we have different whale, mm-hmm. but it still ties into the personal thing of it's a local book, mm-hmm. local people, mm-hmm. just kind of keeping it. Not that it matters because, I mean, anybody could read this all over, all over the world, but just creatively, it just felt good to keep it close to the heart. Mm-hmm. So you're supporting the charity and stuff like that. Do the proceeds from the book go to that? How does this work? 10% of the book sale proceeds go to the Marine Research Council right whale monitoring system. And what they do is basically they have a team of people who protect the whales from getting hit by boats or fishing and stuff like that. So they have basically people watching in the area where they come and they have a hotline you can call and so forth. So any money that goes to them pays for like materials when they visit schools or promotional items or whatever people need to keep that going. They're kind of small, but they're big in the sense of what they do. The impact that they have is really great. Great. I also want to talk about the fact that the text is, compared to most comics, is, is somewhat large. So I'm kind of wondering, are you hoping that maybe younger kids might get to read this? Because when I saw the text at large, now granted, I'm getting older, and so large text I always appreciate. (laughs) But when I saw it, I thought that maybe you're trying to appeal to all ages with this. Is that what you're aiming at, or are you looking mostly at adults? That's actually a great question, because we really weren't trying to appeal to all ages, but at the same time, there wasn't a reason that we didn't have to, but... We've recently discovered that a lot of kids, you know, say seven and up, mm-hmm. are attracted to the artwork and the story. Yeah, they definitely seem drawn into the book, especially like going to the conventions and seeing some of the people that we interact with mm-hmm. at them. There always seems to be some interest from a younger aged readers, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good thing because, you know, you want to get people interested in things outside themselves. And this story clearly yeah, deals yeah. with that. But I kind of view it as an all ages. Mm-hmm. I mean... 
the subject matter is such that you could read it as a young reader or it would be pretty safe for children. But then I think there's an aspect of it that I think as an adult, you're able to pick up on other parts of it and maybe connect in with other aspects of it. So I think it's kind of an all-ages book mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Usually at table events, I'll tell people it's rated PG. So if you're interested yeah. in it and you're thinking of you know reading it to your, to your child, just read it yourself as an adult and then see. Because yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Because honestly, I found it really profound when I was reading it. And like I said, we don't have nearly enough fables in my mind, sort of instructive things to talk about. And there are parts of this that remind me of a certain Star Trek episode I won't get into. But And there's also a – it reminded me of my mother who lived – by herself in the later years and I used to take books to her and she would sit and read them by the hours and wow. she was so happy because well I used to work at a certain newspaper and if I mentioned the name you'd know but what they did was they would give away books if they didn't review them or even if they did they would give them to the employees so that you could take them and I would literally drive them four hours to give it to her and she would sit and read them by the day and she loved being able to do that because she didn't get out of the house very much and this books like this and there's multiple levels we're talking here with this novella get gave her a chance to go places she hadn't been before or read, see stories she hadn't seen. That's definitely the beauty of being someone who does read. Yeah, there's that aspect of that other fictional life you get to have access to and experience you get to, like, hear about and feel and stuff. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing to bring up. Absolutely. It's great because, and of course, it's called the Graveyard of Whales, and we get a graveyard for whales in there too. And it has a very important part of the story, which of course we won't spoil here, but it's <laughs> it's really a very good thing. And I love the way it's written. It's concise. We care about the person involved in this and the things that happen to him. And also, the artwork is really a really like you you say you used a simpler style, but it allows our imagination to grab hold. And a lot of wonderful things go on when I was reading this book. Sometimes it's lots of detail sometimes it's not and it's just uh, this thing to me was a wonderful wonderful little novella it's 40 pages it's called a one shot but is there any chance of doing another story something along these lines do you guys have other projects that might be related to this Josh you have a different project you're working on and I just started a new novella project with another friend of mine Okay. but working with Josh is amazing so yeah I mean definitely there will definitely be another collaboration between Brian and myself I mean probably not a continuance of Graveyard for Whales probably something else once we both hone in on what that is it's interesting gravitating toward the people that you end up collaborating with mm-hmm. I like to kind of tell this little story about Graveyard for Whales since we're talking about it because I'm um, because Brian is one of the people I've collaborated with. It's funny because, like, he brings out things in myself that may be a little bit more optimistic, a little bit more charitable within working on something with him, which is good to listen to. So for anybody out there that is either a writer or an artist, listen to that person that you're working with, especially in the places where you differ a little bit. Kind of listen to that because I always like to um, tell people that, like that my initial draft of Graveyard definitely ended in... <laughs> a much darker place, a much more darker type scene. It did, it, 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 which is a little bit more, maybe in my personality, might be a little bit more pitch black in that manner. You know, it was like, it ended in a very, and this is how it is, and this thing's sad, and here it is. And, and kind of, as Brian and I were, you know, talking back and forth about it, he just kind of was like, can we maybe 
can we crank the dial from pitch black and get maybe a little a little bit of brightness in there a little bit and i can kind of remember initially really wanting to stomp my feet about that basically being a bad collaborator in my opinion you know kind of being like you know no this is what it is right but then the more i thought about it and the more i really started to reread my own story really started to reread it I kind of realized the benefit of having the story wrap up in the way that it does wrap up now, mm -hmm. as opposed to my initial draft of it. Mm -hmm. Because of the experience of listening back and forth to Brian and knowing like, each other's strengths and weaknesses and stuff, like, there's, I've, I have no doubt that we'll, we'll eventually work on something else. Definitely, we'll definitely have a second project. As soon as oh, scheduling yeah. and an idea appears, and I feel like there has to be such an alignment of things because we worked on Graveyard and then we got a chance to work on a thing for a Game of Thrones show, like a art show that was really, really fun to get back into working with Brian because mm -hmm. that was the show that was all, you know, for fan art for Game of Thrones. And immediately, knowing that Brian was like, you know, let's, let's do something together for this thing, I was like, Brian loves drawing the ocean. He loves drawing, <laughs> you know, he loves drawing birds. So it's like, so and, being, and, for, and for myself, being such a huge Game of Thrones fan, I was thinking of different characters, the different house symbols and all those things. I was like, oh, I got this. It's like, we're going to set it on a ship with the Greyjoys. We're going to get a little Kraken tentacle in the water, and we're going to have a house Aaron hawk falcon flying overhead. I was like, I know those are parts... Those are going to be parts of it. That's definitely going to be part of our collaboration for this thing. So it's kind of funny, like, as you move along with somebody, kind of knowing, here's the thing to bring this person. Mm -hmm. As soon as he heard about the Game of Thrones show, he immediately brought that to me. And then I'm like, here's the thing to give to Brian as him. So it's like, I know eventually there'll be some idea. Some idea will come, something will happen, and we'll say, oh, that's it. That's our next one. And then mm -hmm. work will start. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Can I just interject on about the end, the way that it is, is that when we find out that there's a, a, a revelation, shall we say, at the last couple of pages, and it was both heartbreaking and yet hopeful, the way that it was presented. And I wanted to talk about, we mentioned about the use of simple drawings and colors. The two colors besides white and black that we've seen previously in the book show up significantly in the last page or two. Which I really loved. I mean, it tied the whole thing artistically together. You know, I, I don't want to spoil it. I want people to read it. It's, it's really got some great mm -hmm. stuff about the use of the orange and the blue in there. Just, it really got to me when I saw that. And I do like the ending. And I, I guess not having read the other one, I can't really say, but I did like this ending. So it was something that really touched me. Well, that's oh, great. And if that's the case, I will lay the lion's share of that at Brian's feet. He's the one that helped solidify that ending. And it's the ending that it needed. It's the ending that it wanted to live there. It wanted, and I'm, and I'm glad that that's the reaction that you had to it, because I feel like your reaction to it is like, that's the way I want a reader to feel after that, for sure. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Well, it's great stuff. I really love the book. I knew I, I was struggling to get a little money together to be able to buy it from you guys, and I, now I know why, because it was a great story, and it was a terrific book. And that was so awesome how that worked out, because Wayne came to me, and he was like, I want to get your book, but I don't have 10 bucks. And I was like, dude, you're going to find it, man. I just feel it. I can just totally tell. <laughs> and then, like, the last hour or so, maybe before we were closing up, he was like, I found $10. I was like, uh, it's not, no surprise. I knew you were meant to have it, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's really terrific. Now, when did this book come out, by the way, may I ask? Uh, How, 2015? Yeah, that yeah, sounds about right, because it seems so long. Yeah. What we did was, originally we did a teaser, because there was trying to shoot for the main things, like Megacon was basically our major oh, gotcha. push. I was running behind, because, I mean, Josh got his done on time, and then I was like, oh, gosh, i got to figure out how to do this artwork. And then oh, I, okay. mm -hmm. 
I definitely have the easier, yeah. easier task <laughs> in terms of it, in terms of workload, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but it ended up being a blessing in disguise because we did this 12-page teaser yeah. where it was the part where he's falling and then it says he sees the ocean and right. kind of like it leaves you this literal cliffhanger almost. Oh, wow. And we put that out and that did superb because how we did it was we just put it out there and we said we're just taking donations for the printing of the actual book. Mm-hmm. So that actually was better because rather than people just paying $3 or whatever it were, they would just be like, oh, well, here's $20, here's 10 wow. here's yeah, 15 Yeah, and they would get a little sample of something. Now, let's tell people how to get it. It looks like you guys self-publish, right? Yes, yeah, fully self-published. Yeah. So how do you people get a hold of A Graveyard for Whales? What's the way to do that? Well, the quickest way is to contact me. This is Brian talking. Just mm-hmm. uh, send me an email, brian at briandemeter.com, mm-hmm. or if you... Go to my website. You can find my contact info that way. Okay. Uh, You're on Facebook too, right? I'm on Facebook, so yeah, you can find me there. And then from either my website or Facebook, we can guide you to the page that has for Graveyard and stuff like that. But basically, you just contact me, and I'll give you the info. It's $10 per book, and if you live not locally, then it's $5 for shipping, so $15. And then, like I said before, 10% of the book proceeds go to the Right Whale charity. Very good. That's the easiest way to get it. I do have it um, at some local comic shops. I have it at um, Acme Comics. Right. And Gods and Monsters. are amazing. Yes, yes. And Gods and Monsters, you were saying? Yes, yeah, Gods and Monsters. So stop in there. If they don't have copies there, if they sold out, blessedly, (laughs) then then just contact me and I'll get you a book. Mm -hmm. And I love to draw on the envelope and inside the book and all that, so you're going to get, like, goodies. Yeah, I noticed you drew on the copy that I have, too. It was really kind of cool. Thank you. Good stuff. So, yeah, of course, I love, of course, there's a big debate going on right now as we're talking about autographs and things like that. Should people charge a boatload for them or not? But I'm not much for them. I love it if somebody does it, but I'm not going to go, oh, i got to have an autograph and i got to pay $100 for it and stuff like that. But if somebody does like what you did, that little extra touch makes it a little more special when you do I this. agree. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I mean, I'm an autograph junkie. I love that. Not to the point of like what you're saying where you have to pay for it, mm-hmm. but I love that whole like if you're meeting somebody and you, you get that little extra, you get the little drawing. So mm-hmm. I've been lucky to write the people I kind of looked up to as a kid, and I would get you know, letters back and things. So I think I was trained really well. From a young age, just to give that little extra touch, because mm-hmm. it's just a personal thing. I mean, you, someone's buying your book; it's like they just or art or whatever. You want to make that connection with them, right? You know? Oh yeah, yeah. right. Well, this is terrific. So I, I love the book; it's really great. Now I understand you're going to be in in the Earth Fest 2016 on Saturday, April 30th at noon in the Secret Lake Park in Castleberry, Florida. Yes, yeah, I'll have a vendor canopy there. I will have a Graveyard for Whales copies there, so that's a perfect place if you want to come down and say hi. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Josh will be able to be there or not. If not, come say hi to me, and I'll bring the Game of Thrones painting because I have a couple of original <laughs> paintings there. So if you guys want to see that, that's really cool. That's just meant for like the right person because once you see it, you'll be like, you have to just like. Some Josh says, Game of Thrones fan is going to be made yes. very happy by that yes. thing. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, why don't we move on and talk about what projects you guys are doing. As you mentioned, you guys are quite busy, which is great. You know, I think you guys are talented enough to do a lot of good things. Josh, you said that you have projects that you're working on. Do you want to talk about what's in the pipeline for you that we might know about? I finished working on, there's a theater group in town, Orlando, that I perform with Mm -hmm. called uh, Phantasmagoria. Mm -hmm. It's like a local storytelling, steampunky, gothy, like Halloween we do a big stage Halloween show up at the Shakespeare Festival every October. Mm-hmm. And this past year, we've added a few uh, 
touring shows. We, um, we've actually taken our troop up to Atlanta and up to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. We were up in Baltimore a few months ago performing one of our shows. And I joined Fantastic Glory in their third year. They'd already been going around for two years before that. And I'd always been a big fan, but even before I joined the actor. And I like the act. I enjoyed doing it, but writing something I'm a little bit more passionate about. I'm not going to be in, but they have an upcoming show at the, the Orlando Fringe Festival. It's their next big show. Okay. So they're okay. going to be doing a show. Our touring show is called Wicked Little Tales. Okay. The Fringe show is going to be called Wickeder. Little Tales. Ah, okay. <laughs> I approached the producer and asked him if he would be okay with me adapting a story to some of the characters that we have in our show. Because a lot of times for our main stage shows, it's more about telling the Edgar Allan Poe story or telling the Lovecraft story or telling the whatever spooky ghost story we're telling. And we all have these characters, but there's really like only hints and allegations about what's going on with the troop at large for the most part. Mm-hmm. We kind of keep that behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a graphic novel version of the show, I was able to tell a story with the troop, having the troop be a little bit more the featured members of it. So that graphic novel is actually going to be done uh, with photography. We work with a really brilliant photographer named Barry Kirsch. He does a lot of our photography for the troop. So we're actually going through almost like a movie shoot doing um, series of photography that then we're going to do some special things with each picture, give each book like its own little look and everything. Mm-hmm. It'll be the character that is portrayed on stage, but now it'll be in a comic book form. So that's a storyline that I've already written mm-hmm. and everything. And then the connection that I ended up making from Phantasmagoria, one of our graphic artists, approached me with an idea that he was kicking around. If you're if you're familiar with the old like the old like heavy metal magazine, mm-hmm. very like psychedelic 70s sci-fi type idea um, nice. that we've kind of been beginning some preliminary you know, back and forth on like, well, what is this thing? So that's kind of my current project. It's, uh, that one's still under right. That doesn't even have a name yet for whatever, <laughs> whatever it's even going to be called. But that's kind of my personal current thing that I'm kicking around quite a bit right now. Well, you know, I, so. I, if I can interject real quickly, you know, you're saying oh, that yeah. something hit me. I thought, man, you know, since you're involved with people who put on little plays and stuff like that, wouldn't it be great to make a graveyard for whales into like a play? Absolutely. Oh, I mean, I think that with the right director and costumer and like a lighting person and stuff to come up with some interesting looks, something like that, I think could definitely be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I could see it visually in my head while you were talking about things, you know, because you have pages where you have like a black background and orange text. You could use like a screen. Let's say you've got a screen in the background. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. That. There'd be a lot of ways to try to translate that sort of thing. I'd, like yeah. to, I'd pay money to see that. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, Josh and I have, a, have a, a personal friend who's a brilliant director, so I have a feeling that the universe is going to pull us all together in that oh, direction. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be super. <laughs> Okay, and Brian, what are you up to? You said you've got good projects in the works, too. Yeah, I think the success of A Graveyard for Whales is kind of like my friends are coming to me and going, ooh, I want to do a cup book now. You know, so <laughs> A friend of mine, that he's pretty much my brother from another mother. I mean, I knew him from 10th grade, so <laughs> he came to me and he was like, we had this garage band in high school. I mean, we were terrible, but we were created <laughs> with songs. And we had this song called Ocean Girl. <laughs> and I was looking at the lyrics, and I was like, we could just play off of this. This could be the start of another novella, you know, the short story thing, because I've known that I like that flow. I like the pacing of the 40 pages or so, mm-hmm. so I can see how it would play. So I went up to him and I said, what do you think about this? And he's like, perfect. So he just started writing. And then similar to Josh, he came back with sort of more of a prose story. <laughs> 
And then I was like, that's fine. Go ahead and do that because what we're going to have to do is just break it down anyway. Because mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter how little or much you write, once it comes to the art, just things that are written down that you obviously don't have to say you can show. So mm-hmm. you kind of break it down like that. Mm-hmm. So we did that a couple of drafts back and forth and we're still sort of working on it. But I had enough to make a cover. So I went ahead and I did the cover mm-hmm. and posted it out there to get people excited. So mm-hmm. we should have that by spring of 2017. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Maybe we'll have to talk about that too when the time comes. Absolutely. It's come out because this is a great book. And I think you guys collaborating is a winner. And I'm looking forward. If you guys do more, I want to be able to talk with you and be able to, to see the book and, and be able to, to promote it because I think it's really great stuff. Thank you. So well, you guys keep it up. And yeah. you know, much success as you go forward because I think that there's a lot of great storytelling in your future that I want to be able to participate in and read so keep it up thank you very much Wayne cool thank you yeah thank you people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man I'm flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. And that's it for this week. Be back next time we'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.